Happy Sabbath, everyone. I hope everyone is having an awesome day today. Uh, today's sermon is on the fruits of the Spirit. My name is Giselle, and I'm going to be talking about faithfulness. If you could please bow your heads for prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for all of your blessings. Please send the Holy Spirit to guide our words this morning, and may it be for your glory and honor. Amen. In October 2018, my family and I were watching a news broadcast about how Hurricane Michael was destroying cities along its path, and it was headed right towards where we were living. Seven months prior to this, we had just moved to Panama City, Florida, and it was actually our dream to live in Florida. We were just a few minutes from the beach, and we were just loving it there. And now, here we were, knowing that our lives as we knew it were about to change. So, after much prayer, we decided that it would be a better idea to evacuate to a different state where it would be safer. And we actually quickly became the laughing stock of our neighborhood because all of our neighbors thought that we were overreacting because in their eyes, the Category 3 hurricane was not a big threat. But we didn't take that chance, and we left anyway. Uh, that night, that weak Category 3 hurricane became a powerful Category 5 hurricane overnight. And that next morning, our friends called us crying, telling us that they should have left when we did, because now that was a big threat. So we prayed and thanked God that we got out in time and for our friend's safety. About four days later, we came back home, and everything was destroyed, and it was unrecognizable to me. And we went, came to our house, and we were not able to salvage anything from our house. But at that point, it was just material things, because God had protected what really mattered in life. Me and my family were safe, and all of our friends had also gone unharmed. And my dad even still had his job. While most people that had been affected by the storm were out of jobs, and a lot of them had lost friends or family members. God was ultimately faithful to me and my family in this time, and we knew that God would be with us every step of the way. I love the verse found in Psalms 91.4. It says, He will cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. That was a story in my life where God was faithful to us in a hard time, and we stayed faithful to God. Now, this Bible is full of stories about faithfulness. One of my favorites is the story of the fiery furnace. In that story, three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were kidnapped from their town and taken to Babylon, a place they did not know. They were trained to honor and stay loyal to the king, and then they were put to the, highest, their, the ultimate test. A decree was sent out uh, for everyone to show honor and loyalty to the king publicly. And everyone agreed, I'm sure especially after the threat of death was announced. But for them three, the fear of death was not in their hearts. Please turn in your Bibles to Daniel 3, 17 and 18. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And this was just a golden image. Most of the people there didn't care about bowing down to it. They were just saving their own skin. But for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
them bowing down to the idol would have been putting them, their faith, in jeopardy. And they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. They could have easily pretended to pick something off the ground or pretended to do something, but that would have been hiding their true actions. But they stood tall for what they believed because they had faith in God, and they knew that he would save them eternally if they stayed faithful to him. Uh, so they, they faced the king's wrath because they did not bow down to it, and they were thrown into that fiery furnace. But when they were thrown into that fiery furnace, they were met with God's presence. God was physically there with them in there. God was physically there with me and my family when we lost our home. God is physically there with you. Whenever you feel alone, God is always there, and he is always faithful. This verse is found in Deuteronomy 31.8. It says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I challenge you all to have faith in God, no matter what life throws at you. God is always faithful to us. Please bow your heads for prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for being with us during these crazy times here on earth. Thank you so much for all of your blessings. Please help us to have the faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We love you so much. Amen. Happy Sabbath. My name is Alicia, and today I'm going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, patience. I want to start off with a story. When I was about five years and a half, I was separated from my mom and my two older siblings. My grandfather died, and she went down to Cayman to bury him. My dad booked a ticket or booked a flight for us to go visit them and see whether we were going to stay in the States or in Cayman. But sadly, we overslept and we missed our flight. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And um, my mom was really disappointed too. But I had to wait the next day and we caught our flight and we were um, able to be reunited and that was really fun. So God taught me from that that sometimes you think that you've waited long enough to receive whatever blessing or want or need you've prayed for, but God sometimes tells us that you have to wait one more day, or one more hour, or another year. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.10. I'm using the KJV version, but you can just follow along in whatever you have. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. So from this we learn that patience is a doctrine that was kept by the Apostle Paul, and if the Apostle Paul kept it, I think we should too. I have a question. If you're bad at doing something, what do you do to get better at it? Do you just say, oh, the instinct will come, or do you practice? James 1, verses 3 and 4 says this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So from this, we learn that we have to practice if we want to become patient. Our High Calling, page 70.2, says this. The apostle says, we succeed in the grace of temperance, that we may add patience. Patience under trials will keep us from saying and doing th things which will injure those with whom we associate. Let your trials be what they will be. 
Nothing can seriously injure you if you exercise patience, if you're calm and unexcited when in trying positions. So I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase, the patience of Job. Job was a very patient man. He went through physical pain. He went through family pain. He lost 10 of his children, or all of his children. And he was, didn't have a very supportful wife. And his animals were stolen or killed. And his servants were killed. But through all of this, Job remained faithful to God. Impatience usually stems from distrust of God. And impatience tends to build as pressure builds. Some biblical examples of this is with Sarah. Sarah didn't believe that God would provide her and Abraham a son, and so she had Hagar um, marry Abraham, and that caused some family issues. We also have King Saul as an example. King Saul had the Philistine army coming to attack him, but he didn't believe that God, um, that Samuel would arrive on time and that God would deliver. So he decided to offer the sacrifice himself and he committed an abomination before God. And we also have Job's wife who lost her 10 children and saw her husband in a very bad place, but she gave him bad advice and told him to curse God and die. The book of Job teaches us to trust God under all circumstances. We must trust God not only when we do not understand, but because we do not understand. Here's a quote by Liza Tur Turkist with the Daily Christian Quote website. Here she writes, You may go through seasons where God seems silent in an era of your life. Don't let that discourage you. You are not alone. In those hard seasons, remember that your relationship with God is the most important. Keep trusting him, keep praying, keep watching for him, and remember, God's word is him speaking to us in written form, always available and never silent. The Ananias Foundation calls impatience and abuse, so we need to watch our responses to others when we're feeling impatient because we do not want to verbally abuse them. The Great Controversy says this, the season of distress and anguish before us will require a faith that can endure weariness, delay, and hunger, a faith that will not faint, though severely tried. This uh, is in Great Controversy, page 621.2. My challenge for this week is to be patient. Remember that impatience is an abuse and a sin. Watch your responses to others and wait upon the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says this, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Remember that God is always in control and will always remember you. Jesus said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. We must believe that he will hear our prayers. We need to trust his ordained process for our lives, that we may come out as gold tried in the fire, pure and undefiled, as it says in Revelations 3.18. Follow your dreams, but also be willing for God to redirect them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that this little sermon will be a blessing to someone, and please help me to become more patient and God's people as a whole to become more patient. Amen. Thank you for having me. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to start off with a joke. Uh, when is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? It was when Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Hello everybody, my name is Aiden Kimbrough and today I'll be teaching you about self-control. Self-control is one of the most crucial aspects of our lives, not just as people, but as Christians. 
And we know that as Christians, we are going to send obstacles that will challenge us to reflect God's character through our actions of self-control. Did you know that 25% of the U.S. population suffers from a diagnosable mental illness, 10.5 of which suffer from a mental illness which negatively impacts our self-control? And it also doesn't help that only 5% of the U.S. national budget actually goes to solving this problem. Now, second-degree murder occurs when you murder somebody in the heat of passion. You didn't really mean it, but in the heat of the moment, you did it. And it is estimated that 10.5% of all murders in the U.S. happen from a uh, lack of self-control or a crime of passion. Now, if you will turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 24, uh, we read about Saul. After returning from uh, fighting the Philistines, he returns and... He uh, is told David is in the desert of Engendi. And so he goes to look for David with 3,000 young, able-bodied men. And along the way, he spots a cave. And uh, he needs to relieve himself. And so he enters the cave. And uh, what other cave would David and his friends be in? And so David and his friends see him. And David's friends instantly start enticing him. They tell him to go up and kill Saul and uh, claim, claim, claim the throne since he's God's anointed. But David said he's not going to do it, and instead he goes off and cuts off the corner of Saul's robe. And with the corner of Saul's robe, he waits until Saul exits the cave. When Saul exits the cave, he falls on his face, and he says, Hey, I've got your robe, buddy. I could have killed you, but I decided not to. And he says, Bad actions come from bad people, but it will not come from me. And for one more story, if you'll turn to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11 talk about when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he was uh, met by the devil, or the tempter. And at first the devil tempted him, and he said, if you really are the Son of Man, then make the stones turn into bread, so you won't be hungry anymore. But he said, no, for it is written that man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so then the devil took him to the highest temple in heaven, and he said, jump off. For if you really are the Son of Man, your foot will not dash a stone, for the angels will protect you and care for you. But he said, Leave me, Satan, for it is written that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And so once more he took him up and took him on to a big hill, where you could see all the valley and all the land below. And he said, If you really are, if you only bow down and worship me, I will give you all this. But God said, uh, It is written that you shall only love and worship God. My challenge for you all this week is to Keep an open line of communication with your, with your fellow man and God and to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before you make any decisions. My memory verse for you this week is James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Thank you, everybody. Good morning and happy Sabbath. My name is Austin Bergen, and I'm, uh, as you guys have found out, we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. My fruit of the Spirit is peace. What is the first verse that comes to mind when you think of peace or Bible story? For me, the first verse or story that came to mind was Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there is a great calm. The meaning of peace be still in the Bible is a prayer and a weapon. It's a prayer over all the stuff you may be facing, and it's a weapon over fear, doubt, depression, and stress. Christians may use this in times of worry and frustration. 
It seems like every day we need this more and more. We don't know what will happen the next day. There's so many school shootings and there's a lot of gun violence. There's the war in Ukraine and there were all the riots and protests that happened in 2020. And there's a January 6th riot in 2021. Last year, there were so many school shootings. Shootings in general have been at the highest rate it's been in 30 years. There seems to be less and less peace every day. I feel like that if we pray to God, we won't be as stressed or anxious. We'd be more peaceful. I feel like the reason people are straying further from God is because every day um, people are, have less and less peace. Another verse that I would like to bring up is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, and I'll give you guys a second to find it. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like this verse. Whenever there's a death in the family or someone's going through critical condition, I always pray for them until they feel better. I have an aunt whose sister has cancer, and ever since I found out she had cancer, I've been praying for her every day. If someone died in a family, I pray for that family. I have another story about praying to God. My mom has a cousin who is struggling financially because of passages and decisions she's made in her life that brought her to where she is. My mom didn't know what to do, so I asked, did you pray? And she said no, and we prayed. A couple days later, she got the good news that her cousin was doing better. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced some of God's peace in your life before. Maybe it was through prayer, or maybe someone blessed you in some way, like someone paying for your meal when you didn't know them. Or maybe it was something small, like someone letting you borrow something. It'd be nice if it was always that peaceful. There's one more verse I would like to bring up. That verse is going to be 2 Corinthians 13, 11. And I'll give you guys a second to find it. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. I wanted to end with a verse that seems more cheerful. This verse means quite obviously that God will be with you. It means that God has not abandoned us. This verse is probably my favorite out of the ones I picked. It's so full of joy. And that overall, God is described as love and peace. But that is not all that God is described as. He's also described as divine, holy, and omniscient. In my opinion, it's encouraging as well. I have a challenge for you all today. I want you guys to find a few verses about peace in the Bible. There are a lot of Bible verses about peace. Looking over Bible verses about peace made me feel better just after reading them. And try to live at peace with one another. I know that can sometimes be hard with my classmates or siblings. Thank you. Hey, my name is Matthew Buchanan, and today I will be talking about kindness. I'm sure most of you are aware that kindness is one of the 12 fruits of the Spirit. Now, I think kindness is probably one of the most important fruits of the Spirit. And being kind to other people can really make others feel better about themselves. And it can improve anyone's day just by giving them a compliment or making pe people feel welcome when they're new to a church. Maybe there's some people new to this church. If you don't recognize anyone here, maybe try talking to them or making them feel welcome. Now, the definition of kindness is being friendly, considerate, and generous. 
You can do one of these things to anyone every day. You can make someone's day just by going, just by doing one simple thing to another person. Now God is a very kind person. He shows this in many parts of the Bible. And he says, but love your enemies no matter what, and do good and lend to them, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the, and evil, and the evil. God, God thinks that kindness is selfless, compassionate, and merciful. He thinks it's the greatest power revealed in practice to our enemies and amongst the least of us. Love your neighbor and show kindness to everyone. For a perfect emblem of biblical kindness, we need look no further than Jesus. But that doesn't mean that other people aren't kind. As shown in the chapter of Luke 10, 30-34, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away. He leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, so too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw, wait, oh, oops. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. However, this shows that people aren't always like the Samaritan. So my challenge for you is to try to help someone else in need, or maybe try to help your church by donating or working down at the soup kitchen. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity for doing this, and thank you for being here. Hello, church family. I am Anthony Pettit, and I'll be talking about joy today. Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this beautiful day, and thank you that I can witness for you to all these people. Please help us have a good rest of the day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The official definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. This resembles happiness and gratitude. It is different, however. Joy is when you're satisfied with what you have and are grateful for the little things in life. Joyful people are more optimistic, they savor life, live it in the moment, and have a stronger spiritual connection with God. You know, I have this aunt, one more of a godmother, who resembles what I think Joy looks like. It's kind of ironic because her name is Joy and it fits her personality perfectly. Most people think that money buys happiness, but this is not the case. You don't need money to be joyful. It says in John 16, 24, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Being joyful isn't being happy just when times are good. Being joyful is being satisfied and noticing the little things in life. It's being optimistic and cherishing the people and things that you do have. There's this story in the Bible found in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. Again, that is Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34, if you'd like to follow along. It is the story of Paul and Silas when they were thrown into prison. It talks about how they were followed by a demon-infested female slave who kept shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way you should be saved. Eventually, after many days, Paul got so annoyed that he turned around and declared in the name of Jesus Christ for the demon to come out of her. 
Her owners saw this and were infuriated because they saw that their hope of making money was gone. It says in verse 20, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They continued by stating that Paul and Silas were Jews and were causing an uproar. Paul and Silas were then stripped and beaten with rods, despite the fact that they were Roman citizens. They were ordered to be thrown into the inner prison and guarded carefully. Now the way the prison was built, there was an inner and an outer prison. The outer prison had windows and air circulation, while the inner prison had no windows, no breeze, and no light. Paul and Silas were positioned in stocks on a cold, hard stone floor, sitting in an, in an uncomfortable position. They weren't fed very well. It stinks and there were probably rats. In the midst of all of this, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. They sang so that the people in the outer prison could hear them. This is a very good point that no matter what, we, we can be joyful, and it does not require money or any other earthly possessions. It says in verse 25, at about midnight, as they were singing, a violent earthquake appeared, so much so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, the doors flew open, and the chains were loose. At that moment, the jailer woke up and was sore drawn, was about to kill himself when Paul assured him that everyone was still there. Then the jailer asked how he could be saved, and at that moment, Paul told him the truth, and he and his whole family were baptized. You only need to ask our Lord and Savior, and he can help you with any situation that you're in. It says in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It also says in Romans 15.13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our God is almighty. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. We can sometimes relate to Paul and Silas. Our lives can get really tough and can wear us down to the point where we think we have nothing left. We may feel depressed and alone, but we can always look to Christ. All you need to do is pray. When life is too hard to stand, kneel. Ask our Lord Jesus to come into your heart to fill you with peace and joy. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, there's, song, there's a song that goes something like, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. And if you look up the lyrics, you'll see that it constantly repeats the line, is always by my side. You'll see that he isn't going anywhere, and he will always be there for us, like it says in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I challenge you today to find the awe moment in every day and enjoy it. Just take a minute and breathe. Everything nowadays is so fast-paced that sometimes we just need to take a moment and slow down. Today, I hope you have a well-rested and joyful Sabbath. You all did an awesome job, each and every one of you. And if you were blessed by our young people today, can you say amen? Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for all of your effort um, and for, for blessing us today. If you would stand uh, as, as we close, we're going to sing our closing hymn. Uh, I also would be remiss, too, if I didn't say Jeannie Larrabee is our middle school teacher there at Captain Gilmer. And she has been working with these students. Uh, and we just appreciate what you have done in Bible class and uh, preparing our young people, uh, not just for these talks, but preparing them for uh, the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, 
to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen.